another edition of Bookalicious, the book podcast that leaves no page unturned. This is me, Paul Jarrett, and we've got a slightly different format for you, and I do apologise, we've been away uh, for a while. All sorts of things, technical issues and, and so forth, have prevented Gwyn and Lara and Holly and I to actually get together, at least online, to discuss uh, books as we usually do. So this time uh, we will be looking at Name of the Rose. This came up in the last Bookalicious as uh, Book of the Month. I think it was a little bit off the cuff from me because Holly was talking about books set in libraries and it seemed an obvious choice to me. And, uh, well, to be fair, Lara, Holly and Gwyn have all gone off and read Name of the Rose. I have already read Name of the Rose, but I cheated a little bit and I watched the movie from 1986 and quite a lot of the TV show that was made in 2019. So I think uh, Gwyn says everything we need to know about the book in her review, which she uh, sent in to us. So here for your delectation is Gwyn's overview of Name of the Rose. So, The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. I first read this many years ago, I can't remember when, but it was a long time ago, to the extent that I really couldn't remember what happened in it. Um, it's, uh, I think it was first published in 1980. Um, it's a trans, the, obviously I'm not, it was originally published in Italian, I'm not reading the original Italian. Uh, I think the version, the translation that I'm reading is by William Weaver. Um, so it's quite an old copy. I think I've pinched it off my parents' bookshelves. They've never asked for it back. They may not even remember that I've got it. But it's it's an incredible book. It's very meaty. It's really quite, um, no, not a difficult read, but it's one that you really get your teeth into. There's so much in there. It, it took me a long time. It was one of those books where I really need to read every sentence <clears throat> really quite deeply and slowly to be sure that I'm getting everything possible out of it. I need to suck every nuance out of each sentence, each paragraph, each chapter to make sure I've really absorbed everything that he's trying to say. Uh, this book is one that I probably will go back to again in the future, but not for some time. There's so much in it. It's essentially set in um, the 14th century in a monastery in Italy. Uh, there's a lot of historical context, historical background as to what was happening within the church at that time. The church, um, conflicts between the emperor and the pope, different popes, different branches of the church. So we have Franciscans, we have Dominicans and various sub-branches, sub-sects, um, if you like, spiritual spiritualists, spiritual brothers, and so on. So if you're not familiar with the, the historical era, that can, well, it took me a little bit of getting my head around I, just to keep up with what was going on historically. Um, but you do kind of need to have an understanding of what was going on within the different sects to understand the motivations of the characters in the, if you like, the plot, the main murder mystery plot. Um, so William of Baskerville, who I believe in the film was played by Sean Connery. I have not seen the film version. Um, I think there might have been a TV version as well, which I've also not seen. I've just read the book. But William of Baskerville and uh, a novice who is accompanying him um, to act as scribe and assistant and so on. They are called to this monastery in the Italian hills where 
a murder here. A murder has taken place. I'm, I'm getting Taggart vibes now. <laughs> There's been a murder. Um, and it's all very strange. And the, the abbot, the abbot, <laughs> the abbot wants it covered up because there's going to be a big uh, conclave between two branches of monks, um, representatives of the Pope, representatives of the emperor, who are going to be meeting at the abbey in the coming days to d debate something very, very serious and important. And he doesn't want the, the murder overshadowing the discussions that are going to be taking place. So he wants William of Baskerville to um, basically figure out what's going on and solve the crime. There is a forbidden library. There's all sorts of mystical secrets that people aren't allowed to know. There are forbidden places that the library is a labyrinth. Only the librarian and the assistant librarian are permitted to go in there. There are monks running around in the darkness doing mysterious deeds in the middle of the night. And because this is set in the context of the church and ineffable mysteries of um, church and religion that adds a different element to it so we're wondering what is supernatural what is um religious what's going on what is merely human how much are we dealing with simply human uh crimes and misdemeanors and how much is you know ineffable so there's so much to get your teeth into i really enjoyed it as a read and like i say it was very very meaty so what's really interesting about this book is um, Umberto Eco, um, he works as, I believe he's an academic, um, as a, what's the word, a semioticist. He deals in signs and symbols, that's his area of academic interest. Uh, this is something that is really, um, he, he uses this knowledge and this, this subject matter to really seed the, the plot of the book with something that makes it so much more than just a murder mystery. Um, I'm going to read a little bit um, from, the, from the back cover, a quote from the New York Times book review. Um, a sleuth's pursuit of the truth behind the mystery also involves the pursuit of meaning. In words, symbols, ideas, every conceivable sign the visible universe contains. Um, and this is what I personally find so fascinating about it. Once William and his assistant, Adso, make their way into this mystical forbidden library, they discover it's they're having to find their way physically through the library to work out how it is organised, where the books, how the books are um, categorised and classified on the shelves. They they feel that there is clearly a structure to it, but the structure is mystical and only known to the librarians. And there's all sorts of signs and symbols that help them figure out their way through this mysterious labyrinth. <clears throat> and there's the, the plot hinges upon a, for, a forbidden book, a book that appears to be handed from one monk to another. Everybody's after this book. Everybody's looking for it because they want to know what it contains. There's some secret of the universe that people are really, really keen to, to locate and get their hands on. Um, it's explained that monks are devoted to the pursuit of knowledge and everybody wants to know uh, what's in this book, <clears throat> Secrets of the Universe. So I personally love all of this um, type of debate about what stories mean and what symbols mean, um, both from a psychological point of view and from a uh, mythical, if you like, or religious perspective, when symbols are presented in stories, what do we take at face value? Can they mean things at face value? What different 
um, meanings do they have below the surface and in different contexts and it's, it is like a huge puzzle just to unravel so to, to have something like that we're dealing with puzzles and symbols all day um, in our daily lives what does something mean when somebody said this what did they mean what was the <laughs> second secondary meaning behind the face value statement but to put that kind of question into a murder mystery adds obviously in such another dimension to the, the the mystery itself so i think that's one thing that for me makes it extra fascinating I, I was really reading so many paragraphs you know two or three times thinking i can read this on so many levels it is a book that you can read on many levels you can read it as a historical treatise where there's a murder mystery and a bit of political intrigue um there's all sorts of stuff in here yeah so i i really do recommend it it's not uh, a quick read um, but if you are interested in all of that very, very meaty kind of discussion around the meaning of life, the meaning of words, the meaning of stories and symbols and actions and behaviours and belief and faith and so on, then um, do, you really do need to read this book. Um, one <laughs> last thing I will say is if, if you're a woman and you're looking for a great story about women, then no, this, this, this is not the book. Um, I was beginning to wonder whether we would have any female characters at all. Um, yes, there is one female character, um, and I, I won't tell you what happens to her, but given the times and given the religious beliefs at the time, um, I'll, I'll leave it to you to guess. You, you probably won't be wrong. So there it is, Umberto Eco, Umberto Eco, The Name of the Rose. Um, I will be reading it again, but probably not for another 10 years or so. Um, but it's great. Give it a go. Well, I hope that's given you a taste for Name of the Rose. A fabulous review there from Gwyn. Thank you so much, Gwyn. Um, and for me, uh, although I haven't read it for a while, uh, the film and TV series uh, probably not perfect um, but I might have said some uh, not quite so good things about the 1986 film version with Sean Connery um, but actually I've now re-watched it and I feel I might have done them a disservice. So the film came out in 1986 starring Sean Connery and a very very young Christian Slater, uh, Sean Connery, Connery playing um, uh, William of Baskerville and Christian Slater is obviously Adso, as directed by Jean-Jacques Arnaud. Uh, the film title says it's a palimpsest of Umberto Eco's novel and I had to look up what a palimpsest is and apparently it is a superimposed piece of writing over an original text but still retaining the traces of the original and I think it's a really good description of this. Um, so, um, what uh, have I got to say about the film? Interesting uh, that it immediately goes into and uh, gives a really good setting of the darkness and the difficulty of even just surviving in the medieval world. Uh, it's also very good at diving you straight into the very weird and wonderful characters that exist within the monastery. Uh, every single one of them is incredibly odd and eccentric. I think that's fair, fair to say. And then, of course, you have the very gruesome series of murders, which are 
graphically presented. Uh, and I don't want to give anything away because obviously in the end this book is a medieval murder mystery uh, with lots of um, symbolism uh, embedded within it, uh, as Gwyn said, about the history and heresies and uh, challenges between the Pope and various orders of monks. Um, all of that actually does appear in the film if you choose to see it. But of course, the story is mainly driven around the murders and William of Baskerville and Adso um, trying to solve, solve it. And obviously, the mysteries of the library are central to it all. In fact, the library is a labyrinth. I will say no more. Uh, it's also fair to say that they brought in the female character that... Uh, uh, Gwyn mentions, and uh, I believe that some of the scenes that were originally filmed had to be taken out of the film so as it didn't get a high um, kind of X-rated uh, rating, so it prevented it being in the cinema. But overall, I, I thought it was um, a really, really good representation of the book. I came away feeling quite scared um, and really not wanting to dive into the medieval world myself. Now, sadly, the TV series, which was done in 2019, uh, for some reason they put John Turturro uh, as William of Baskerville, an American actor, as a, a, a an English monk, uh, which is okay. And actually, he does a pretty good job. Um, and they also put some star value in it with Rupert Everett as uh, um, the Inquisitor, the Dominican Inquisitor Guillo. Um, and, yeah, the characters are weird, but they're not quite as well done as the film. And I'm not sure... It just all feels a little bit dragged out. And if you look at the reviews on IMDb, you'll see that many people are quite frustrated and, and it's gone on too long and so forth. And that possibly is a risk with Umberto, Umberto Eco's novel is, is, is challenging, you know, and if you pull too much out of it, you probably, this is probably what you get. So out of the two, um, I thought atmosphere wise and faithfulness to the story I thought the film from 1986 was really good and Sean Connery is really good as William of Baskerville. Um, the TV series not so sure. Um, both have got scenes filmed in in Italy in Abruzzo. Um, the interiors of the monastery in the film are uh, in Hessen in Germany and God, they've done a really good job on that. Now one little snippet that I picked up um, from one of those uh, uh, trivia things that you get in film reviews is about uh, the fact that William of Baskerville is called William of Baskerville and Umberto Eco apparently was giving a very, very strong nod towards Sherlock Holmes because the way William of Baskerville goes about uh, solving the murders is very much the Sherlock Holmes method of facts and um, reality and using science and all the things in um, 13th, uh, 14th century Italy would have been considered to be utter heresy. Um, so that's quite, and I, I quite like that. So there you go. Um, 
I, I thoroughly recommend reading the book, obviously, uh, but do go and have a look at the 1986 film. And if you have the time and inclination, go and have a look at the 2019 TV series and see what you think. I'm quite happy to be uh, uh, told different to, to my view of it. It just feels a little bit drawn out. That. Um, and if you disagree, of course, you can send us an email at uh, info at bookalicious.com. Now, I should mention that uh, I had a wonderful encounter with a podcast listener. Yes, a Bookalicious listener who came up to me at um, Gladfest, where I had the joy of being parachuted into a last-minute panel um, to replace a speaker who was ill. And we were talking about um, knowledge and its place in these disrupted times. But at the end, um, you and Berry popped up and said hello and how much he enjoyed Bookalicious. Well, it was lovely to meet you, um, uh, Ewan. And um, subsequently, you've sent us an email, two recommendations related to our discussion about books uh, set in libraries or around books. And, you know, this, these are really good recommendations. Um, first of all, uh, Elizabeth Kostova's The Historian, an excellent choice. Um, you would just say the, the book uh, is obviously in love with books and libraries. What is there not to like? And of course, Carlos Ruiz Zalon, uh, The Shadow of the Wind, which is uh, begins in the Cemetery of Forgotten Books. Uh, of course, um, an excellent recommendation there, Ewan. And finally, he says we shouldn't forget, and I know Gwyn would love me to mention this because she is a great Terry Pratchett fan, that, of course, the uh, librarian in the Discworld novels is an orangutan. Um, and, uh, well, what can you say? I wouldn't mind being an orangutan. Maybe I am uh, as a li librarian in my former life. So... I've got some uh, recommendations for you just to carry on our theme uh, about uh, medieval history and particularly monastic um, sleuth, I guess. Now, I don't want to belittle Umberto Eco's uh, novel because there's so much more in it than just a medieval mystery. But here are some uh, three recommendations for you that I think you really should dig out if you enjoy uh, a medieval mystery. And the first and foremost uh, is Alice Peters, who it real, whose real name was Edith Partita, and she wrote 21 wonderful books in a series starring her monk brother Cadvile, who's a Welsh monk in Shrewsbury Abbey uh, in the 12th century. Um, and the first book is A Morbid Taste for Bones, uh, set in 1137, and that came out in 1977. The I can't praise these books too highly. Um, she's got the skill of giving the real atmosphere of what it must have been like and the Welsh-English uh, borders in the 12th century, uh, set obviously during the civil war between uh, King Stephen and Empress Maud. Uh, and they're just brilliant. Not too long either. If you think Umberto Eco is a little bit too long and meaty for you, I well, just go and seek out Ellis Peters. They are wonderful novels. That's Ellis Peters' Brother Cadvile series. 
then taking it a little bit earlier, now with, I suppose this is very early medieval, um, Peter Tremaine uh, did a series of, well, he's done a series of up to 33 novels. He's still going. Um, and they star Sister Fidelma who is a Celtic nun in 7th century Ireland, uh, and he is uh, also an excellent read. Uh, first book in that series came out in 1994, Absolution by Murder. Uh, the uh, This is a pen name of Peter Beresford Ellis, who is actually a Celtic uh, scholar, uh, and uh, they are also excellent books. Um, different to Brother Cadwell, and obviously quite a few centuries earlier as well. And finally, um, Susanna Gregory, uh, her series, the Matthew Bartholomew series, set in 14th century Cambridge. Um, she, now, Matthew has a sidekick called Brother Michael, who is a Benedictine monk, and is based on a real monk, Michael of Colston. Bartholomew series starts with a plague on both your houses and has run now for 24 books. So really, between those three authors that I've recommended, you've got the best part of well over 60, nearly 70 novels to read. Gosh, where will the, where will you find the time? I do recommend some of those to you. Uh, and so please, please go and seek them out. Now, Bookalicious We'll be back in um, another week or so uh, with reading recommendations from me, uh, from our current reading pile and from Gwyn. If you want to check out any of the books mentioned in this podcast, do look at the show notes and uh, a link to our bookshop.org bookshelf where you will find all the details you need. And if you'd like to send us a message or tell us how much you love Bookalicious, do contact us on info at bookalicious.com. Um, so in the meantime, I wish you all happy reading. <laughs>